G'day Sports by Fry fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast. My name is Fry and we are less than 24 hours from the start of a new AFL fantasy season. Fingers crossed you're not floundering as much as me, I think I've uh, refreshed my team about 15 times today. Brought in some weird guys, brought them out, and then stuck with my guns again. But uh, yeah, the fantasy season is almost here. After a long summer, the footy is going to be back Thursday night. Games are going to be a regular occurrence this year, and Carlton Richmond will tip off 2019 in just under 24 hours' time. I put the blast out for everyone to hit me up with their questions that need answering before the fantasy season begins. Got a bit of uh, love from Instagram and Twitter. Not much on Facebook, so... uh, not that matters really, but just uh, worth noting. So if you see the stuff on Facebook, make sure you hit me up with a question. Uh, same goes on Instagram and Twitter throughout the season as well, if you've got something that you need answering. Obviously, I'm going to be covering the cash cows for the Dream Team Talk Boys, the traders themselves. So make sure that you read my big rookie guide before you make your final rookie picks uh, for tomorrow night's lockout. There's a partial lockout tomorrow, which means... Any Carlton and Richmond players in your team, you will not be able to move, but leading up to Friday, you'll be able to make changes to all the other players. So make sure that you got everything sorted. You can put a vice captain uh, on a Carlton or Richmond player for a potential loophole option. If you want to know what that means, make sure you read Calvin's captain's article on the Dream Team Talk site. Not DT Talk, that's Dream Team Talk. Uh, But without, without further ado, let me dive into some of the questions that I received. Instagram ones out of the way first and there were a few thanks to everyone who did hit me up with your questions again if you've got them throughout the year you know how to find me sports by fry on your preferred form of social media first one and this is an interesting one that I've been getting a little bit in the last week should you start Goldie or Wits that came from Bailey pick six now I have been jostling between this decision myself. I've had Goldie and Wits in and out of my side throughout the preseason, and Max Gorn, of course, and uh, let's not talk about Tim English because I'm in a good mood, but I think at the moment, tossing up between those two, it's a right idea to go with Wits. There's no real challenge for a ruck competition with Wits. You could maybe argue that Tom Nichols could, but Goldie is getting a little bit on in age. He's Had that great couple of seasons, I can't remember exactly what he averaged, but a few years ago, 2016-17, from memory, he balled out, so there's every chance that he can do it again, however, I think that his fantasy prime might be behind him. Jared Witts has also been named the skipper of the Suns uh, to start the season, so that's a pretty good indication of where they rate him as a player in their list. I don't think he'll be being chopped out for anyone, whereas Goldie, because he actually, while I'm doing this, I'm going to double-check their age, because I don't want to offend poor Jared Witts, uh, poor Todd Goldstein, and claim that he's older than Witts if he's not, but yeah, I'm leaning towards starting Witts. He has an amazing run to start the season as well, like I've talked about a few times. There we go. Wits is 26, right in his footballing prime, while Goldie is 30. So that's where my thinking lies. I don't think Goldie's a bad option by any means. I think he'll probably be a top five ruck. Um, I think Steph Martin might be the one that slides out of the five with uh, obviously the other two big dogs and maybe even Sauce Jacobs getting back up there. But yeah, between those two, I'd be siding with Wits at this stage. Antonio asked via Instagram as well, how will Dom Sheed score? It's a very good question. He's someone who's come into a lot of teams over the JLT, and I can't really blame you after the way he looked. 
Andrew Gaff coming back in round three does throw a bit of a spanner in the works, although I think that Sheed has clearly proved that he's above the likes of Chris Maston in the midfield pecking order at West Coast now. You could argue maybe Jack Redden, but I think Redden plays a very particular role for the Eagles, so I think Sheed will hold his spot, and I don't think it will impact his scoring too much when Gaff comes back, but I do think it will impact that some. It might eat away from some of his... Uh, I don't know, midfield time a bit and might see Sheed play a bit more of a half forward. That being said, price at 75, I think that Sheed will go 90 plus. Is that enough to justify starting with him and him taking one of your midfield spots? Maybe. Not for me, but uh, I definitely think it's an option. And yeah, I think he'll go 90 plus. I think that's fairly safe. Uh, Bubby underscore 18 asks, is it worth downloading Crouch to Toronto if it means turning a rookie into Libba? I think it might be a good option. Now, that's Matt Crouch we're talking about. I think he, very handball happy, he's Matt Crouch. He's still in my side right now, though. Uh, Taranto is not, but Taranto is someone who's looming as a very big breakout candidate. So for that reason, you probably won't lose a hell of a lot if you change Crouch to Taranto. And if you get a rookie and turn them into Tom Libertore, I reckon Liber's good for 70, 75 at least. Fingers crossed he can stay healthy. Knock on wood. Uh... But yeah, if Lipper's good and running around that dog's midfield, I reckon that he's going to be a pretty good pick. He's in my team at the moment. Um, I don't want to give away too much of my team. I'm going to reveal it tomorrow uh, before lockout and uh, fantasy season commences. But yeah, I think it might be worth downgrading Crouch to Taranto. Now, it does depend a little bit on which rookie you're turning into Libba. Don't be getting rid of Sam Walsh and turning him into Libba, obviously. But someone like Zach Butters, some of those expensive... Uh, draftees, you could uh, flick out. And if it's a 170k guy, then I think it speaks for itself. Uh, finally, Instagram question number four. Connor Brown asked Heaney at F3 plus a rookie or Warple at F3, which means I can put Libba at M6. I've already talked a little bit about Libba and he, from memory, I think he might be in my sixth midfield spot at the moment, maybe fifth, I'm not too sure. But I think uh, the option there is to go with Warple and Libba. Two mid prices, bit risky. But Heaney plus a rookie score probably won't outscore Libba and Warple. It's very close. I don't think there's too much to that one. And Heaney's someone who is also in my team and I think will uh, have a great year, especially if he gets a bit more midfield time like we expect. However, that rookie, it's, it's a tricky one. I think Warple and Libba is the smart play to go, though. All right, time for some questions that I received via Twitter. Again, if you want to tweet at me throughout the fantasy season, just search Sports Buy Fry or Sports Guy Fry. I have uh, my Sports Buy Fry account and my personal one, so make sure you hit me up with your questions. First one, though, comes from Jacob, and he asks, Linton McCarthy can be considered rookie-priced. What does he average? Job security in the forward line is paramount. It's very true. Job security in the forward line is going to be very hard to pick with some of these rooks. I think Matthew Parker is someone that you can pencil in there. But the likes of Drew, uh, Petrocelli, Noah Bolter, who I'll talk about a bit later, they're all a little bit iffy. So, look, there's nothing wrong with going Linton McCarthy. He's not too expensive. He's not, like you said, he's in rookie price pretty much. So I don't think it's a terrible option. He did have a solid JLT. It's not for me. I mean, if I'm looking for some of those rookies, I tend to try and cap it at 270 grand like I've done in the past. But McCarthy, after moving to Brisbane, could be an option. There's nothing wrong with starting with him in your sides, although, like I said, it's not for me. He's only priced at 305 grand. So it's definitely something to consider. What will he average? 
tough to say. I don't know. I I know that he scored well in the JLT, but I didn't watch many of his games, so I'm a bit unsure of his role. I'd assume, based on previous numbers and stuff like that, he can push 70, but somewhere closer to the low 60, 65 is what I'd pick. All right, Mr. AFL Fantasy asks, Gorn and Elliot or Goldstein and Warple? Good question. Now, Elliot has been named as a starter for the Pies. He's going to play his first game in God knows how long, but too long for the poor bloke. But I'm a little bit skeptic. I'm a little bit of a skeptic over this whole Max Gorn scenario. I don't think it's going to be an issue, like I've said a few times before. However, we haven't seen him with Braden Proust yet. We know probably by year's end that Gorn and Grundy are going to be the top two rucks, and they're going to probably be the two that we have to have in our sides. But I think in your starting side, you want to be chasing value. So paying up for someone like Max Gorn, who is, even if this Proust thing isn't a huge impact, I don't think he can really improve a hell of a lot on his average. I could be wrong, of course. Gorn, arguably, is a Brownlow threat. He and uh, Brody Grundy are two of the best ruckmen, if not the best two ruckmen in the comp, but he's... Scored 111 last year, so that's what he's priced at. I don't think he can get much better. Goldie, I kind of crapped on with the uh, Wits convo before, but I think Warple's uh, difference between Warple and Elliott's score will be a little bit larger than Gorn and Goldstein. Um, and uh, Kind of tongue-tied a little bit, but I'm siding with Goldstein and Warple. I think that's the smart play. Wait and see how Elliott looks to start the year. He had a couple of good JLT games, but I think the 60s are what you can expect from him. Maybe 70 to 80 if he kicks a couple of snags. Uh, go on as well. I've already talked a little bit about what I think of him. So Goldie and Warple's my pick for that one. Cousins or Libba for my M6, asks Craig. Now, James Cousins from the Hawks is someone who, again, similar to McCarthy, is almost cracked uh, rookie price. He's very, very cheap. Seems set to feature in a lot of those midfield minutes that Tom uh, Tom Mitchell's absence will leave. 329 grand Cousins costs compared to Libba at around 400. Actually, let me get the exact number here. I've got it right in front of me. 392, sorry. So it's about 70k difference there. So I am siding with Libba for M6. Cousins should be good, but Cousins is a little bit unproven. We know that he can score well if you're going off his JLT numbers, but... Libba we've seen score well before. It does come with a bit of an injury risk, but that's why we get two trades each week. So for me, I'd side with Libba on that one. Rhett hit me up on Twitter and asked, what's your opinion on Whitfield? And then asked, guns and rookies structure this year. So Whitfield is someone who has been in and out of my side all preseason, pretty much in my side. He's chopped and changed a bit with Witherden and I think Nick Newman at one stage, but I'm worried about Whitfield after this talk of him playing forward. Now, worried enough to take him out of my side, maybe. Worried enough to not start with him, maybe. But Callum Ward is injured to start the year as well. So all this talk of Whitfield being a bit of a Mr. Fix-It and being thrown in defense forward and a bit all over the shot has scared a lot of people off. But personally, I think it's okay to hold him. He proved last year that he's a great fantasy player. Again, though... We don't want to be chasing guys in our starting lineups that are fully priced. And I think I have my doubts over how much higher than 100 he can go. If we're expecting Taranto, um, Steve Cornelio, Josh Kelly to all score really high, I don't know if Whitfield can go better than his triple-figure average from a year ago. So for that reason, it's not a terrible idea to consider cutting Whitfield. Uh, Guns and rookies strategy at the moment. My team, uh, off the top of my dome, I think I've got... Three, two or three guns across every line in forward and defense, I should say. And then in the midfield, I've got four or five. And then in the rucks, I've got Grundy and Wits at this stage. So 
That means at the moment I'll be fielding six, seven rookies uh, to start the season. But again, team selection could dictate a little bit of that. I think guns and rookies is obviously the popular strategy and a proven successful strategy, so I can understand why people would go with it. I think, though, there's a couple of... <laughs> we say this every year, but I think there's a couple of mid-prices that can prove to be good picks at the moment, so it's not terrible to consider starting with a few of them. Some people I've heard have gone pretty heavy on the mid-prices. They've gone with, like, Crouch, Libba, and Sheed in their midfield, and James Cousins, things like that, so... It's not a bad pick, but and similar to Sproddy Smith and uh, Zach Williams down back. I get it, but yeah, for me, at the moment, I'm probably leaning towards only having maybe four mid-prices, and I think Guns and Rooks is still the way to go. All right, you've probably seen by now that the Carlton and Richmond sides have been named to start the year, and the biggest talking point in the starting sides was Noah Bolter being named to take on the Blues tomorrow night with Tom Lynch and Jack Rewalt alongside him, so... For that reason, I think a lot of coaches are considering bringing uh, Noah Bolter into their sides. I don't know if it's a huge risk or not. I mean, being start being named to start round one is probably a good sign for his job security. However, that being said, there's nothing wrong with him having a bit of an experiment and then throwing him out if things uh, turn pear-shaped. I currently have Bolter in my side. I put a Twitter poll out earlier asking if people were going to start with him on their field, on their bench, or not start with him at all. 13% said yes on his field, 42% is on my bench, and 45% said nope. That's about 250 uh, votes as well. So it seems like the pretty popular pick, or the determining pick, I guess, is to decide whether he's going to be on your bench or not start with him at all. And if you read my rookie guide, I did give him a little bit of airtime uh, as one of the guys to keep an eye on this year. He wasn't in my top six but in my top six were a couple of other highly priced rookies, and I don't have a lot of those guys in my forward line. Only Will Setterfield is my uh, above 170k defense, uh, forward rook, um, and he's been named to take on Richmond as well. So I think that starting with Bolter in your forward line on your bench is a good idea. On your field is probably too risky, as that Twitter poll suggests, but... Hopefully, even if he is dropped in, say, round three and they decide to go with Ivan Soldo, hopefully he can at least make us 50, 60 grand, have a couple of good scores. He might even jump out, and we saw what he did in JLT1 against Melbourne. He might even jump out of the blocks and go, great, have a great round one or two that confirms him in the side for maybe five or six rounds. And if he gets ruck status, because he's flagged to be a backup ruck, he could be someone we swing onto our ruck bench or someone that we just ditch to try and make a little bit of money and bring in another forward rook uh, after a couple of weeks. So at this stage, Bolter will probably be on my bench, uh, but I can't blame you for not starting with him because even though he's named, job security is still questionable. All right, Anthony hit me up on my sports guy fry Twitter and asked me, would you drop Whitfield down to Witherden, gone to Goldie and Merritt to Taranto if it allows you to go Parker to Warple? So essentially what you're doing there is you're going from... Uh, yeah, three premiums in Whitfield, Gorn, and Merritt, and going down to, let's say, one and a half premiums, because uh, Witherden and Goldie have proven a bit in the past, and so has Taranto, maybe even closer to two. So you're going really three premiums to two to get a rookie to a mid-pricer. Um, it's not a terrible idea. However, I think it's unwise at this time. You know, there's only, like I said, less than 24 hours till the season starts. It's probably unwise to try and restructure your entire team. I'm going to talk a, a couple of structure things at the end, but... Don't go panicking too much unless you're throwing a serious spanner 
come team selection, don't go panicking too much and reacting to what a lot of other people are saying. People in your team, you've picked for certain reasons throughout the preseason. If you want to start with Zach Merritt, go for it. If you don't want to try and mess around with that second ruck spot and you want Max gone, go for it. If you aren't worried about Whitfield and this forward thing, then go for it. By all means, Withered and Goldie and Taranto are all good picks, but... Oh, sorry, Withered, yeah. Withered and Goldie and Taranto are good picks, but so are Whitfield, Gorn and Merritt. So Parker has pretty good job security. I assume it's Parker from the Saints that he's talking about, Matthew Parker. So there's nothing too wrong with trying to chop and change and... there's no, Sorry, let me start that again. There is something wrong with trying to chop and change your team and uh, trying to make all these changes on the eve of the fantasy season. Stick your guns, you know, back yourself in. You've done the research. You're listening to this podcast, so clearly you know something about fantasy. Uh, hopefully I can... Uh, prove that to myself this year after a terrible season last year but I think at this stage in answer to that question stick with what you had and don't look back all right last Twitter question and it's not really a question it was something that was tweeted at me a couple of minutes before I started recording and it comes from Geordie he asked or said before JLT Josh Kelly's ownership was over 15 percent but because he didn't play in the JLT he went down to 10 percent which I reckon is around a POD uh, for record, POD means player of difference. He should be a top eight mid come season end. Should I go with Cornelio, or who's at 22%, or risk it with someone like Kelly? Now, the difference in price between those two isn't a hell of a lot. Probably only uh, 20 grand from memory, 15 grand. But I think it's unwise to start anyone in your side who hasn't played minutes this JLT series. It's a bit of a similar reason that I haven't gone with Bailey Smith from the Bulldogs in my midfield. Not only are there some good 170k guys out there, but he had low time on ground in the first couple of JLT games. He's coming off an injury, and he's likely to be worked back into the season. So Kelly could be someone in that similar mould, could see low time on ground to start the year, and you don't want him to come out and dish a couple of 80s, lose a bit of coin, and then have a high break even, and all of a sudden you're floundering to try and generate some cash. Cornelio is someone who's not in my team, but he's a high-owned player for a reason. I think ownership kind of gets a bit overrated as we start to get closer to the start of the year. I think ownership only really comes into effect when you're trying to toss up between uh, players when you're in the top 100 and you're looking for points of difference, like we heard last year with Seb Ross, um, who, I can't remember who he had him, Statesman, I think, got him right near the top. But anyway, uh, Shoey Shocker, so anyway. I'm starting to lose my mind. Too many AFL Fantasy podcasts and numbers to crunch, but... I think with regards to that question, Cogs is a better pick over Kelly, just for that 15 to 20k difference. We've seen Cornelio score great this JLT, we haven't seen Kelly score great, so for that reason, I think it's safe to pay the 15 to 20 grand extra. All right, I have a guest question from uh, someone you may have heard from, Warney from The Traders. I was talking to him before I started recording my podcasts, and he sent me one word with a question mark that... He's going to trouble a lot of coaches in the next 24 hours. He asked about Rocky. Now, priced at 600 grand, Tom Rockliffe had a fantastic second JLT game, and for that reason, a lot of coaches are taking the punt on him. He's sitting in 15% of sides right now. He's priced at around the 80 mark, and we saw him score 100 points more than that against North Melbourne. However... In that game against North, we did see a lot of Port Adelaide players score well and a lot of them mark the footy. There were a shitload of marks in that. We saw Dersma, Butters, Rocky, I can't remember off the dome who else, but there was lots of players who scored well in that game. So 
I tend to think Rocky is a little bit too risky to start the season with. Even if he's priced at 80, if he goes gangbusters against the Demons this weekend and we see him in the midfield tackling regularly and producing at a higher level, it's not a terrible idea to try and bring him in, but it might be best to take a bit of a wait-and-see approach for that reason. Now, if he comes in and scores 120, 150 in the first couple of weeks and you don't have him, that's okay because, as I've pointed out, there's 85% of the competition that doesn't have him either. So it's a risky pick, one that I'm not going to take a punt on, but I can definitely see why some players are thinking about starting with Rocky. Warney snuck in a second question that I think is a fantastic one that I haven't heard a lot of people talking about. He said, what would you change about your structure when teams are announced? So let me dive a little bit into my structure. Like I said, I don't want to give too much away, but if you've been keeping track with what I've been saying, you'll know that I've got a couple of guns on each line, fielding about seven to eight rooks. I think the only thing that will change my team right now is if Zach Williams isn't named. And if he isn't named, that might, uh, I might bring... Dersmer or Clark or Collins shuffle one of them around and potentially grab another midfielder. At the moment, I have, I'm looking at it now, Tom Libertore is my fifth midfielder. So I've gone a little bit light in the midfield. I'm not extremely happy with it and it could change before lockout comes uh, in, tomorrow afternoon, but we've got oh, Friday afternoon, sorry, I should say, but I think Williams's name not being on the Giants' side would really change things. When it comes to rookie picks, there's a lot of guys who I have on my bench that might be wishful thinking. Well, not a lot, but I've got Bailey Scott and Tom Atkins in my midfield bench. I think both of them should be named. Atkins maybe not, but I don't have Michael Gibbons at the moment from the Blues, so I think... Oh, actually, did he get named? Jesus, how did that? I skim over that. I think he did, did not. I don't know. Let me have a look at this. This is... Uh, Breaking uh, strat- breaking news on the uh, Sports by Fry podcast. I'm sure he did, but I didn't actually see his name on the list. Um, this is terrible listening. I apologise. Yes, he is named. Okay, so for that reason, worst case scenario, I can bring Michael Gibbons into my team. He's been named on the field as well, so it's a pretty good indication that he's going to play hefty minutes. So I'm, I might chop Scott or Atkins out for Gibbons if I need to. Archie Smith's another bloke who's in my ruck stocks on my bench at the moment. I think considering what could happen this year with him, um, he's worth a punt. So if he's not named, I might try and chop him out. But those are the things I think that would change my team structure to start the year. I reckon 95% of my team's locked in at the moment, though. There might be a couple of other little chops and changes I make to try and get another midfielder and go a little bit cheaper in defense, which is something I've seen a lot of people do. The Dersma collins clark combo has dictated a lot of uh, D4, 5, and 6 on field. So something I might take a chance on. Scrimshaw, if he's named as well, is someone who might come into the mix. I might take a chance on him with my bench spot. But yeah, I think with the rest of team selections, I'm pretty concrete and set with my stuff. All right, that is going to do it. I'm going to try and edit this podcast and get it out very quickly. Hopefully, it'll be up for you to listen to prior to Thursday night footy. Not long to go until fantasy season begins. If you want to talk about actual footy, you can check out the sportsbyfry.com page because I released my 12 bold predictions for 2019. One of which is we might see Lance Franklin in his last AFL season. Don't rule it out. 
That's going to do it, though, for this Sports by Fry podcast. Make sure you join the Sports by Fry League. I've been overwhelmed with the number of people that are in there now. I'm nearly up to 80. I doubt I'm going to get 100 by the start of the season, but wishful thinking, let's see if we can talk it into existence. Thanks for listening, though. Make sure you subscribe for other episodes. Hit me up on your preferred form of social for any questions throughout the season, and good luck. A lot of research and time and effort's gone into the teams that you've picked. Back yourself in. Don't try and get fancy in the last couple of days. Resort back to the picks you made in the preseason, unless, of course, a spanner gets thrown in the works at team selection time. Thanks for listening, though. Until next time, peace. Peace.